0: This is Wyman and Bob. On Seattle Sports, powered
1: through the Alaska Airlines Studio.
0: Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at
2: Seattlesports.com.
1: Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton.
2: Before we get into best of the rest, we got some uh, clarity on, on the Sonic's history, if you will, their their physical history, the banners and whatnot, and then their Recorded history, the records and whatnot. Leftco, take it away. What do we got? Yeah, what, I think what, what'd you find out this?
3: In and there was a settlement. So some teams have done this. I know Cleveland did when they lost the Browns, but uh, there was a settlement between Seattle and Clay Bennett's ownership group. So technically, Oklahoma City has like the history, the records, and all that stuff. And I guess they agreed to loan as part of the settlement. All the materials, the nickname, logo, the colors, you know, all the things that like Simply Seattle still sells all the Sonic stuff. So Oklahoma City in that settlement said, "Okay, Seattle gets to keep all that. We technically own the actual scoring records, the history of the franchise, if you will, but nothing tangible. Mm, So no banners there. Yeah, No banners. We saw, at least this was an article from like 10 years ago, and someone I think said they're still there, that they're in Mohai, which I haven't been to yet. So I guess I need to go now.
2: Yeah, well, there you go. Museum
3: you of history and industry.
2: Yeah, I guess so. All the physical things are there. It, I never understood if I if I were an Oklahoma City fan, a Thunder fan, a resident out there. I would never refer to anything that happened before the team existed in my community. I wouldn't say, well, you know, back in 96 when we were p- facing the Bulls mm-hmm. and Michael Jordan, I mean, this is a great part of our history. We took them to six games. No, you didn't. You had nothing to do with it. They were the Seattle Sonics at that point. They were not the Oklahoma City Thunder. Why would you want ownership of anything that preceded you? It makes no sense to me.
4: Yeah, well, then really, my only concern now—I should maybe be more concerned for like the fans and stuff. But it's cool that some of that stuff is at mohai But um, for the for the players, the ex-players, because you know we're out there all the time. How many times do I have my old teammates coming up to the radio booth? And, and
2: sometimes you recognize.
4: Sometimes them. I recognize them. Sometimes <laughs> I don't. <laughs> hey, it was like thirty years ago. Yeah. Uh, but no, it it I, I feel sorry for for those guys that played. Played on those teams, and it's kind of like, eh, we don't really have anywhere to go. I'm sure they get little golf tournaments and things like that, and get together. But uh, it's just, yeah, heartbreaking that that part of it for those guys, the alums.
2: Yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah, and it's, it's a lousy, it's a lousy ending to a a 40 year plus franchise here that owned the city at one point in terms of the fandom and and had tremendous success when the first major franchise to win a title in 1979 in this city. So. Um. Yeah, they'll be back. They'll be back at some point. And then I I don't know what happens with the records then. I would assume they revert back if the Sonics...
3: Eh, they could. I think it varies from franchise to franchise because technically that team in Cleveland, the Browns, are a new team. And yeah. then the Ravens agreed to give them back their records because they're the same team name. But I don't think... When Charlotte had the Bobcats, I don't think they had the Hornets history. And then when they changed names again and New Orleans said, you can have the name back, we'll give you the history as well. I think it's a case-by-case basis. Yeah,
2: I, I just can't imagine wanting to hold on to the history of something you had nothing to do with that took place on the other side of the country. Just makes no sense to me at all.
4: When I was a player in the NFL, I had a Charlotte Hornets jacket. That was like huge. That had like the turquoise, like puffy and jacket, purple, yeah, <laughs> colors. I might have
2: it somewhere. It was it was back when Larry Johnson, Larry Johnson and Johnson Kendall Gill were playing there. Yeah, Mugsy. That, Muggsy, was, a, that Muggsy, was an iconic fashion Muggsy statement. Mugsy Bogues, starter jacket.
4: Yeah, yeah. Was that what it was? And who was yeah. the the tall guy? the The big man in the middle. The, Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning. Oh, Alonzo Mourning. Yeah, yeah, I love that team. Yeah. And uh, I, I had the, the really obnoxious 90s. I might have it somewhere. Still,
2: you should bust it out and wear Super it around. Super obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. I'm, sure the, I'm sure your wife would love it. Shannon would be going, oh, you're not going outside, right? Yeah. Right. She's like, not with me anyway. <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, what, about two years, I think, is the TV deal? Coming up?
3: Uh runs out in 2025. So that's why At the, that's end why of the 2025. Has gotten, yeah, it's kind of gotten ramped up again. And everyone's talking about it because you like to extend that before it runs out. So they think it's got to be imminent when they'll announce a deal.
2: Yeah, I think it, it happens then. As we saw when we were walking through the bowels of Climate Pledge, mm-hmm. we walked past that door that's got a sign up there that says NBA Locker Room. Yeah. And uh, they're prepared and ready for the return of the Seattle Supersonics. So <laughs> that'll be a joyous time to say the very least. Meanwhile, let's get to Best of the Rest.
5: We know you love listening to us, but there are great discussions happening all over our station. I need more Jake Bobo. I need more of them.
1: Because Jake Bobo is objectively fun to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just not
5: good at that. Interesting. Let's turn it down. It's time for the best
2: of the rest. How dare you? <laughs> best of the rest. For those of you new to the program, we take a listen to some of the conversations happening on the other two shows at the station and. Respond accordingly. They hit a couple different topics here, so we'll start with uh, Bump and Stacy. We're talking about the type of run game they had a chance to speak with Ryan Grubb, the new offensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks, and they were talking about the type of run game that they think he'll bring to the team. You asked him that question. You liked what you
1: saw with Washington's run game.
5: Yeah, I like what I saw, and I liked his response too. I wrote, I wrote it down as soon as you said it. It can be an inch deep and a mile wide, I meaning like you got to be really good at something. Then he mentions how over the season his offense evolved when it comes to the run game and what that tells me is that when he gets here man he's not going to be so stubborn to where you keep trying to do the same things and they don't work and they don't work um i also think it was important to highlight just how they ran the football you talk about pin and pull he's talking about power and counter i think that over the past few seasons the seahawks have really leaned on zone concepts which is fine and i think you're obviously you're going to see zone concepts running the football here when grub gets here but when you do that pin and pull and that power and you get all that movement on, on the offensive line that gets eyes in the backfield and you get guys stepping in the wrong direction. So I hear that clip and I go, all right, he's going to utilize Ken Walker and, and Zach Charbonnet and uh, might be a little heavier on the gap scheme than the zone scheme that we're used to seeing with, uh, with Shane Waldron and the guys that were before him. But yeah, but you have to be really good at something. And I think this year, instead of zone, this team's going to be really good at gap scheme when it comes around the rock. Do
0: you think that makes more sense for their personnel?
5: I think they can do whatever they want. I think that um, Ken Walker's probably more the zone type of guy. He can't do gap. Don't get it twisted. And I think Zach Charbonnet is more the gap type of guy. He's, but he can do zone. Don't get it twisted. Don't
2: get it twisted, Dave. They can do either. <laughs> they're, <multi-dim- laughs> they're, they're multiple, as people like to say. But for the inv- inevitable yeah. text that is go- going to come in here, Dave, explain zone scheme gap scheme
4: well and people
2: pull power yeah pin and
4: pull is kind of the gap scheme I think is what what he's talking about I guess two were or, or maybe he's talking about as far as uh, but anyway zone is two players come off and it's a double team on let's say a defensive tackle and then what you know however that that guy is playing, that defensive lineman, one or the other goes up to the next level and gets the... So you start off with a double team, and then and one, one of moves you up. leaves as soon as... And it's kind of a feel thing, like, for an offensive lineman. And that's what I think is really uh, so cool about Ryan Grubb, that he has coached every position group. Mm-hmm. He's coached offensive line before. so And that's a feel like, okay, you got him now. Now I'm going to go up to the linebacker. It happens really fast. Um, then the other... and the gap scheme would be. Yeah, and the other part is, yeah, like these old school like traps where like the center blocks the tackle and the guard goes over and blocks the other guy you know, like a pull type of situation. Um, A lot of times you'll see like um, a guard will block down on the nose guard and the center will pull and lead lead up and then he has either somebody to kick out or whatever so it's more of like a a man-to-man type of thing like Mm -hmm. I'm blocking one guy not two guys in the beginning so and if you look at the football one-on-one I did after the commander game we went through a couple of plays um, of the pin and pull and and the power? And the power. And it's so much fun to watch. So power is gap, pin and pull is zone. Well, I don't know about power. Uh, that's a play. Power is a, a, a play, mm-hmm. you know, where you, you pull a guard and, you know, get uh, numbers on, on one side. But I think the, the two, see, this is why the whole lingo thing gets kind of a little shaky. But, you know, the to me it's zone and, and then there's gap. Gap. Yeah. So um, and and like Bumpa said, there actually both guys can do it. I mean, I think I think Zach Charbonnet is better going downhill, and he's better for like the pin and pull thing. And then when you look at and like Bump said, I think both can do either. But if you look at um, don't get it twisted, he said, don't get it twisted, Ken Walker. I mean, you see how he dances around in there. Sometimes he yeah. stops and everything. That's typically that's a, kind of a run for a read you know a zone block. Mm. So um yeah and I think they both can do it but I do think that Ken Walker is better at the the zone blocking scheme than he is with the the pin and pull. So but um yeah I mean I like that like I said the pin and pull like it's kind of hard to describe on a radio but like you get a block down and then you have a tight end come and block the um, the linebacker and then the guard pulls up and it's like everybody's on someone and then to watch the running back run through it. It's just it's cool. It's like watching a puzzle get solved, basically. Mm. And it's a beautiful thing, Bob. It's like a <laughs> it's, it's like a really good throw from uh, from left field to, to home plate. Yeah. Yeah. A little one hopper to the plate. You have a comment about that, Mr. Wise Guy?
6: It's cool to watch a puzzle get solved. It's cool if you're the one solving the puzzle, but I can't think of anything more boring than watching two people put a puzzle together. That doesn't really
4: (laughs) surprise me. I was making an analogy to puzzle making, but I was actually talking about football as far as watching it, not watching someone put a puzzle together. Oh, well, I
6: don't find that interesting either, so yeah. I just don't get it. Uh-huh. You know
4: what I think is uh, y- you know, I think you probably listen to about half the show. So, and that's what I would call and my dad used to say to me, you're you're
2: half-cocked. <laughs> yeah. That's what the problem is. You're going off half-cocked. Well, if he read the show sheet, he'd be he'd be fully cocked. Yeah.
6: Yeah. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to listen to the full show. I'm
2: never going to read the show sheets. Too much. Apparently, you don't like to read the recap either. <laughs> the yeah. email. I just don't like reading, do I? Yeah. Anything to do with this show or sports, he's out. Yeah.
4: <laughs> All right. Oh, no, but I, I like what what Bump and uh, and Stacy were talking about there, and I think I think it'll be cool to watch uh, watch how this guy works, man, Ryan Grubb. I mean, we'll see what kind of plays that that. Hopefully it's going to turn loose or unlock some of these players. And, you know, and that's a good coach. What he does is gives you whatever scheme or whatever is best that fits you. You know, and I, I, that's the part on offense I'm, I'm looking forward to. Uh,
2: another conversation going on around the Seahawks. Brock and Salk were talking about the whole trade DK argument. And they talked about apparently whether the Seahawks should have uh, taken JSN at number 20 If he's not considered a number one wide receiver,
1: you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I mean, we celebrated that you got your guy. This was the number one receiver in this class, in this class. And there wasn't necessarily war daddies, unfortunately, on the line of scrimmage. Creed Humphrey wasn't sitting there to be drafted last year. These meat eaters, these fire breathers, they don't grow on trees and they're not sitting there. And while I want it, the market wasn't really willing to bear and didn't have those kind of assets in some of those places when we picked there, you know. Now, this year's draft, if, if you had 5 and 20, you know, <laughs> and the receiver that's going to be available at number 20 this year because of all the QBs and all the offensive linemen and, and what's going to fall at number 20, may be a very unique physical difference-making number one guy on the outside. Mm-hmm. That wasn't necessarily Jackson's skill set. And did you have the patience? Was, you it, you know, this, was it Zay Flowers' skill set? No, Zay Flowers more of a slot inside guy too. You know he's an undersized guy. You know is he Antonio Brown? Not many number ones outside or right. five foot eight or whatever Zay is. is really it Jordan
0: Addison's skill set.
1: Jordan had a really nice year in Minnesota, opposite Justin Jefferson. And everything else, he too pretty frail, about 178 pounds. So no, I wouldn't say he's a number one guy. I, I would have been. Then you know what? I don't know that I can draft a receiver at number right. 20. I mean, like,
0: right. I'm sorry, I I I'm really struggling with this idea. You're right, Brock. I, it is easier to turn around a football team than it is a than it is a baseball team. But mm-hmm. part of it is because of the flexibility you have yep. to make some new decisions, and this would be one of them.
2: So, I guess looking back at that is is somewhat of a reach or he's not if he's not a number one, ultimately, you don't take him at twenty that that sort of flies in the face of this is the best guy available at twenty as they see it. That's their evaluation that's that's Pete and John at the time, and the rest of the scouts and everybody else. So I don't know if he has to meet that criteria to be a number one to be worthy of that pick at number twenty and I don't. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about JSN. Does he look like a guy who could be a one down the road or is he just going to be that maybe he's the next version of Tyler Lockett? He's he's got you yeah. know the ability. Maybe he's just that sure-handed security blanket that you know maybe technically isn't your number 1 DK is that guy, but is incredibly valuable to what you do. So I don't I guess I don't look at I don't look at taking him at 20 as a reach or a mistake when you you had other pressing needs because That's going against their philosophy. We're going to draft for need, or we're going to take the best guy available?
4: He was the best guy available, and I I think they absolutely think he's a number 1. You know, he's 6 feet tall, 197 pounds. I think people get caught up in the, you know, DK Metcalf. Now, Look, I mean, if those two guys are, you know, same uh, skill set, you're going to take DK just because of the the size and the speed and everything. But to me, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Jigba can play outside. He can play in the slot. He can play pretty much anywhere you want. He's just a really good football player. So, yeah, to, to me, um, yeah, that's, that's a number 20 pick. I don't – did they really need a receiver? I mean, I'm just saying in general, like – you look at, they had Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Like, there's not a lot of people in the NFL that, or teams in the NFL that have, you know, that that kind of one-two punch mm-hmm. as far as their receivers go. So, and, you know, like like I said with um, with Devin Witherspoon, I mean, I, I don't think they had the greatest corners in the league, but they had like three or four really good choices.
2: Well, at the time you were feeling great about Tariq Wollin. Yeah. We felt pretty good about Trey Brown. It's still been kind of a mystery how that's worked out. Michael Jackson was great. Yeah. It's so, yeah. yeah, was it their most pressing need? No. But yeah. it turns out Devin Witherspoon, you needed him last year, and he was the best player maybe on the team, yeah. not just the defense. And then, yeah, yeah. I, JSN I don't look at it as a mistake at all. If that's You're sticking with what got you there. You're sticking with your philosophy of best player available, and maybe part of it is planning for the ultimate departure of tyler lockett whether it's after this season before this season two seasons from now jsn's still going to be on his rookie deal Mm -hmm. so you know maybe you look at that as a smooth transition he he just steps right into that spot and becomes that version just like doug baldwin was there and tyler lockett became the security blanket so i don't know i don't i don't look at it as a mistake
4: yeah Uh to me, it's not at all. I think he's gonna he's gonna be even better next year. And obviously, it's you know, look. Remember how his first of all, he's a rookie. Okay. Second of all, they say for receivers, it's probably the toughest transition in the NFL, going from college to the um, NFL, just because of the 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 landmarks and things like that, and just how athletic these corners are and everything. And he started out with having surgery. Yeah. And he only yeah. kept him out for like a game, and so I. I what's not to like. And then the whole trade DK thing is just ridiculous to me. I mean, he's just one of the premier athletes in the world and I can get past all of his little, you know, the little things going back and forth with Pete. I can get past that, but, You know, uh, a lot of people can't, but I just think DK is a tremendous asset. And the other thing, he doesn't complain about money. They got him for a really good deal.
2: Yeah. Yep. He's, I'm, I'm with you. I've got no issues with, with DK whatsoever. All right. Last one here. This comes from Brock and Salk again, just talking about why in their opinion, Mariners still need to improve at third base.
0: As you think through kind of what Luis Urias is, he's had injury issues, right? Is that kind of his rap? That's kind of the rap. And Is he kind
1: I, of a Brock Ewer guy?
0: Gets a little ding and, ah, ow! I think the question is, you know, will he be able to, and will is he willing to do whatever it takes to play through pain and be out on the field?
1: Well, I think after following the guy that he's going to follow, too, because say what you yep. want about Gino Suarez, and he struck out a lot, maybe the bats slowed down a little bit. That dude wanted to play 162 games mm-hmm. and was going to do whatever it took to play 162 games and was furious when he did not get to play, you know, 162 games. So that dude was one tough sucker.
0: Yeah, and so being shut down for a little while because of some shoulder inflammation at the beginning of camp, it may mean absolutely nothing, but it's one of those just little warning signs. And this is still the position that as you look through their lineup, there's really a couple of question marks. And this is one of them. Are you going to be able to get... At least league average productivity from what should be an offensive position at third base mm-hmm. you already have some question marks in your corner outfield spots right? First base, you need to have Ty France bounce back. This was a a place where it felt like maybe there was an opportunity to just solidify third base so that it wouldn't be a question mark this year. So this is why the Matt Chapman stuff continues to have legs. And Ryan Divish reporting over the weekend that the Mariners have had some conversations with Chapman. Obviously, that echoes everything I've heard as well. Mm -hmm. And as we went through last week and, you know, some minor tweaks to it over the weekend, his suitor list is not great right now.
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Chapman. I, I feel like he's he's out of their price range, but we'll we'll see. Maybe the price comes down enough to make it uh, reasonable. But I, I sincerely doubt it. But Is he I, one of the Boris guys? Is Chapman? Yeah, yeah he's yeah. one of the Boris four. The Boris four. Yeah, <laughs> the four Borismen. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, he's, he, I agree with Salk about third base. I mean, that's that's an offensive position and you've got a guy there who his career year in home runs in, in Urias was was uh, 23 home runs back in uh, 21 and he's a guy that's been hurt. You know, he is he's 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 not available all the time. That was his best year in terms of availability, 150 games. His next best year is 119. Those are the only two seasons he's played more than 100 games. Same with Mitch Hanniger. He's played two seasons where he's been over 100 games. So it's, it's kind of the story with the other three guys they brought in. And then you look at Josh Rojas, his career high is 11 home runs. He's not a power guy. So if you're going for league standard, what you expect at that third base spot, that's typically a power spot. I don't think you're getting it out of those two. I don't think you're getting it, which is why I was feeling like third base is still an area I've got concerns with. I've not I've not seen Josh Rojas play defense there. I don't know. He didn't look to have the strongest arm at second base.
4: Well, you know who did have a really strong throwing arm, Gino. He did. I'm gonna miss watching those throws across the diamond. He he really
2: had such a strong arm. Well, and they're right. That guy did not want to come out of the game he wanted to be there every single game so yeah there is a difference in approach and attitude and, and production hopefully combined with those two they can find a way to make it reasonable but still a concern all right coming up there are reasons to be optimistic and concerned about a couple of mariner players this season we'll get into that next with wyman and bob this is seattle sports on 710 Wyman and Bob.
0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app.
2: Talking some Mariner baseball here. Is spring training well underway? And we're going to be out there before you know it. I was looking at more videos, by the way, that uh, Ryan Divish posted. Kirby out there on the hill and, and I think he had some of Julio in the batting case. It just looks nice. Does it rain? Sunny. No, no. Hardly a cloud in the sky. Looked very nice. Looked very comfortable, Dave. Good. Looked like a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, they'll be playing baseball, meaningful baseball before we know it. But uh, is there one player, I'm curious, and people can text in on this, 866-979-3776, powered by Mack and Jack's Brewing Company. Is there one player you look at on this roster and go, he's the most likely candidate to take the biggest step forward. Doesn't mean they're a superstar, an all-star, anything. Just considering who they were last season, and obviously we can remove the new additions if you want, since they weren't here last year, Garver and Polanco and all those guys. But of the guys that were here last year, who do you think represents the most likely opportunity to take that step forward? Like, that's a different player than he was last year. Like the way JP did
4: last year. Let's go with Rojas. Why? Yeah. Because we want him to be good. We really, really do. He might be the best interview on that team. <laughs> People don't give a crap about that. We understand, so don't text him. But he, he was fantastic. He was awesome. Yeah, and yeah, just a great kid. So if he's able to to handle third base uh, not yeah, so much I mean,
2: a kid he's gonna be 30
4: yeah he's he's gonna be uh i think interesting to watch i mean third base we were just talking about during the the break that people were texting about kyle Seeger and like yeah, yeah makes remember, you appreciate kyle and that run he had here at third base never worried about gino really yeah. remember when he came here there was some rumor that oh he'd had some some um you know errors and at at third base, and that that wasn't, wasn't the a case. rumor. He was he
2: was well. It, remember, the,
4: part of it was the shift, and he was well. They uh, had him at short, and right? I guess and a lot dead. of a lot of his errors were when he was playing at shortstop, but he yeah. didn't really have a time, that much of a trope. Well, remember we brought
2: third. brought the writer on. He's the one that kind of set the stage for it. We had the we had the Reds beat writer on. Tell us about Gino because Winker was the key to that deal, right? All right, tell us about Suarez, right. and he's like, yeah. well. He's gotten a little bit bigger. His range isn't quite what it was. Great guy. He sold us on that part. You're going to love him. Great clubhouse guy. But he made it sound like, eh. He's he's got some holes in his game. I just remember going, all right. Yeah, I'm not I'm not so excited about this guy. You know. And then he turns out to be the gem of the deal, and everybody loves him and good vibes. And he's got pop, and he plays a great third base. And Winker is the one that flames out.
4: Yeah, and they really missed that one. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like that's who Winker was for his whole career, but we never really heard any of the shenanigans uh, about I, not shenanigans. But I mean, he just was he was kind of obnoxious and he didn't get along with everybody. And he had a personality. certainly Very, yeah. very strange. And <laughs> for some reason that that never came through, apparently, when they made that trade.
2: Yeah, well, and he was a young guy coming off an All Star season. So at the time, I remember thinking, "I like this. Awesome. I like that you're getting a young guy who's just starting to hit a stride. He's an All Star. You know, you're not going with a retread, a guy who's 35, 36 years old. You're going, you're you're getting a young guy out there. And uh, yeah, that did not work at all. It yeah. did not work at all. And then he goes to Milwaukee, and that didn't work at all. So I don't." I don't know. I don't know what's happened to him. I know he's dealt with some injuries and things like that. But that's a guy that hit 24 home runs, that drove in 71, hit 305 with a 394 on base with the Reds. And I know it's a hitter's park out there, but that looked pretty good. You're going, okay, this is a young dude, and he's going to build on that. And then, and he goes, he goes to Milwaukee last year, plays just 61 games, hit one home run, hit 199. With a 320 on base, I want to say though, like his first five or six games, he started off on fire. I
4: remember them talking about him there, and then, and we were kind of grumbling about it. And then a couple weeks later, we checked back. I was like, oh, okay, there we go.
2: Yeah, that's that's what that's who he is. Yeah, yeah, that was unfortunate. It Didn't work out. But uh, I'm I'm curious. For me, I feel like Ty France is the obvious choice. Yeah, because we've seen him be that guy before. He's he's. I think he can take a step forward and be what he was. I've got faith that he can do that. Yeah, last year was the outlier. Yeah, for me, it was. Uh, Is there anybody you look at that's likely to regress? Because there's always regression. There's always going to be somebody that, like Ty last year, we didn't expect it, but he took the big step back. Who's is there somebody you look at and go ah, maybe it's going to be this guy.
4: Well, I keep talking about how we don't we don't mention the rotation and maybe it's somebody like George Kirby. I mean, yeah, that's, cuz that's and obviously whenever you're talking about pitchers, I mean, the worst thing that that can happen is that they get injured. And you know, they have to have Tommy Johns or whatever, but I don't know, maybe that's a guy that we've come I just remember asking uh, Ryan Roland Smith like Who would be the you know, the worst the one pitcher that you would not ever think about trading away? And he's like a thousand percent George Kirby. So maybe that that's a guy. I mean, look, I don't wanna make a prediction here and you know, yeah, but, don't
2: speak that evil. Yeah, I don't. I, Throw I don't it on a. I don't role want to put player. it out there. Say, it, say, it, maybe it's Urias. He could step back, or you know, yeah. maybe it's uh, Rojas. so yeah, who, who wrote this? Mike, is this you? Who's most likely to regress? <laughs> I want you to answer the question, not me. I wrote it, but that's okay. <laughs>
4: Bob wrote it. Go all right.
3: ahead. You can. You put it on the sheet, so that gives me all the power. That's
2: exactly. That's right. right. Did
3: Bob answer in first? a bad way? Because he wrote it.
2: I can uh, To regress, John. I answer. I answered progress, regress, regress. It, it, maybe it could be a you know what I think it could be maybe one of the two young pitchers yeah maybe maybe it's Wu or Miller don't take that next step you expect them. maybe they maybe it's uh, you know all right the books out on them a bit more people are you know other teams are more familiar with them yeah so maybe I'll pick one of those guys maybe that maybe they just don't take quite the step you expect.
4: Well, I just think we haven't really scrutinized the starting rotation that much, right? I mean, it's all been of it. about offense. Yeah, because yeah.
2: they've been good. But Speaking of which, Logan Gilbert uh, was speaking with the media, and he said a few things out here. He's confident uh, that he's got more pitches to help him get out of tough situations going into this season.
4: I feel better. I feel like I have more options this year, um, and the main thing is just not getting yourself boxed in, especially in this league. Hitter counts... All- here's are always going to perform better but I have to really find a way to get myself out if I get myself in a jam or guys on and I'm behind in the count being able to get out of that and I think I have the weapons to do that now
2: oh he's got weapons oh he's got plenty of toys and weapons <laughs> everybody knows what you say? everybody knows the weird stuff I do um one more from him just asked if he sees himself as being more of a leader and if service uh you know views him in that light
4: yeah definitely I think so um getting a few years in now and You see guys like Robbie who meant so much to this team and had that leadership role, and then he steps away. Of course, we still have Castillo, but um, with the younger pitchers as well, I'm starting to see myself as a little bit older, and it means a lot that he would come out and um, also view me that way or that's what it seems like at least. So it means a lot, yeah. Yeah, so and that was part of the trip, right? Of yeah, Scott Service going, going out, out to, to Florida. Florida. Yeah. So yeah, you couldn't ask for a nicer guy than Logan Gilbert. But again, you know, you can only be yourself. And he seems like that kind of guy that he's gonna be himself. You don't have to worry about who he is. Mostly I think he's sneaky funny. Yeah. I mean, and being that guy in in the locker room, it doesn't necessarily get aligned with leadership, but it's good to have those kind of guys.
2: Yeah. Uh, he, he seems to have a good sense of humor about himself. He's self deprecating. Yeah. And- and I heard uh, Cal talking about him giving it back more, and he's starting to come out of his shell. And, yeah, these guys developing together I think is cool too because they've got their relationship that, you know, those guys are really tight and live together at one point. With Was yeah. it Taylor Trammell? Was he the third? Taylor Trammell was. Yeah. 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 So it's it's kind of cool to see these guys succeeding at the same I, time. I had a backup
4: that ended up starting when I left Rod Stevens, and uh, he, was my, uh, he was my roommate on the road. And uh, he was hilarious, like like he could have been a professional comedian type of guy. I, I looked at him as a leader. And yeah. He was a really good player, too, but he was he was just a great guy to have on the team, on the
2: road, as a roommate, teammate, whole thing. All right, coming up, we learned a great many things today, as Lefco writes, and we'll hear about all of them coming up next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. This is a house of learned doctors. What you just said is one
0: of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What did we learn today?
2: No one's a bigger idiot than me. It's the easiest way out. Dave, we learned a great many things today.
3: You know, (laughs) it's tough to write the same T's every day (laughs) over and over, so sometimes... I don't Change the language around a little bit. It's kind of know. funny.
4: You have these things like I'll text Mike every once in a while on when I'm driving home and he's doing the pregame for the Mariners. And he'll have some phrase that he uses. And I'm like, oh, look at who pulled out the dictionary, the thesaurus or whatever. Anyway, yeah, it's always entertaining. Yeah, I would say you got to keep yourself entertained. Yeah. You're doing the same thing You're doing thing it over for and yourself, and over, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah this, is, this radio show isn't for you people. It's
2: for us. It's for our <laughs> own <laughs> entertainment. It's exactly right. Uh, what did we learn today of the great many things, which would be number one? Well, the opposite of entertaining would be,
3: uh, we learned that Matt Nelson tells really long stories. Don't give me that look.
4: <laughs>
2: Are you the problem today?
4: No. Oh, all it's right. not the one good thing you're good at. Don't say that. You're a fantastic board op and lighthouse operator.
2: Oh, thank you, Dave. <laughs>
4: Those two things. Okay. So I appreciate it, Very
2: unique set of skills.
6: It's not me today though. Today it's Mike Lefko. Oh, that seems to be a common one too. Wait,
4: what's bugging he's bugging you. you or he has something that's bugging him? No,
2: he's I bugging do have something me. that's bugging, he's me bugging me you. It's okay, Wednesday. that's what I yeah. got. So.
6: He's well, other than the baseline of just Lefko being in the same room just you with
2: four hours, general annoyance he that's brings. That's just like a yeah.
6: general bug. <laughs> but today, specifically, it's Mike Lefko's email obsession. Every producer at the station has to send out a post-show email to the rest of the building about what they talked about on their show today so other producers can, you know, read over it, listen back to it. Lefko is very annoyed that I delete these emails the second I get them (laughs) for this show because (laughs) I was here and that's not even done yet. That was just one minute. He was right. I do tell really long
2: stories. Is it over? It's not even done yet. It's not even
6: done yet. I kept
3: talking. It's the long prelude to it. I just didn't want to play a, an uninterrupted chunk there. Wow. Matt's right. What there I like you. about
2: the very beginning, as soon as you set it up, you said, don't look at me that way. His back is turned to you. <laughs> I can, see, <laughs> I can, can see feel his, it. No, I can see his face. Here. <laughs> uh, but because we had to really
3: work our way into the crux of what the actual issue was, now we learn what the issue is here with Matt's story coming to its conclusion. Get to the point that you're annoyed with.
2: The thing this that's is pretty me.
3: ingenious
6: by me.
2: Oh, if you do say so yourself.
6: He sure <laughs> thinks it is. What he says is ingenious, I say, really annoying. He has started trying to find ways of making me read the email that he sends. Like, if he sends it before the last segment of the show, and I'm, like, going to get water out in the kitchen, he'll pop the email up on my computer so I have to see it right when I get back. <laughs> last week, he sent me a calendar alert. To read it right when he sent it. <laughs> Today, I had to use that computer for something. I had accidentally left my email open, and he sent me an email from myself <laughs> reminding me to read his recap. That's pretty funny. It has become his obsession. I've Don't got, give him credit, Bob. Do it, not it, take his side on to this. I give credit.
2: It's, it's pretty funny. It is pretty funny. I got to give him credit, Matt. <laughs> that's gotta good be, stuff. Got to be honest. That's pretty clever. It's kind of funny. I'm still just laughing that he had to two-part me because I wouldn't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he tells really long stories. <laughs> you've
4: used up your word count for the week.
6: No more talking after I leave here today. Not a single word will be
2: uttered. Just <laughs> Walk out in silence.
4: One, one of the other uh, things, if you've been down to the, uh, w- which is a good sort of prank like Lefkoe pulled there, um, Kyle Brown. Our director here, um, he sends when you buy the food down down below at the little, little market. I don't pay for it, but <laughs> most people do because I I think it's free. But um, but you can send an email at the end that says, do you you know want to send an email to your account? And so every time Kyle gets something, he sends him an email, and so by the end of the month, he gets like. Sends who an email? One hundred and five. Oh, I'm sorry. I was talking about Darren, the guy that does the production there. Oh, he sends Darren yeah. an email. Yeah. So he sends Darren these emails, and so like he gets he gets in his inbox, and there's like what are these three hundred and fifty you know emails from what's it called? Good to go or something <laughs> yeah, like guess. that down there.
6: I tell long stories, but at least mine have a beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> yeah. You I forgot
4: way. about.
2: Well, it was the subject the subject of uh, sending it to Darren. My bad. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one lost there. I'm like, wait, he's sending them to you? <laughs> no, he sends himself
3: emails, obviously. Yeah. And then he gets them all at the end. Uh. <sighs> what else did we learn? Yeah. What else we got? Mm. Well, we learned that, uh, you know, this would not be a good name for a superhero, but we learned that our one of our least favorite people has returned.
2: We need to update our listeners, Dave. Bad news, the urinator is back. Oh, man. Yeah. Matt Nelson
4: accused me of jinxing it. Oh, yes. We have you to said he was him. gone. Yes. Now he's back. Okay. You jinxed it. All right. If you believe in that sort of thing. <laughs> Dave's got a lot of power. He looked at me. He took one look at me
2: and said, you know, I'm going to stop flushing the toilet. <laughs> that's
4: that's the first thing that comes to my mind. It's probably what s- you're saying, basically. It's
2: probably the same person putting a full plate of food in the dishwasher. Yeah. Probably that person. Apparently, Salk was bragging about it. So (laughs) it seems an odd thing to brag about, but okay. I don't know what's wrong with people over there in the newsroom. They're supposed to be the upper crust, Dave. They are reporting the news, things that are important. We're talking about sports. They're talking about life. Events we're, that affect everybody's lives. We're just the barbarian meatheads that talk about sports all day. They're the we would be the likely candidates to not flush the toilet right. and to throw food into the dishwasher and all that. But no, no, no. Roles are reversed. Yeah, we're the civilized humans, and out there they're just running amok. Yeah, can't have it. Yeah.
1: Mm.
2: Well, we can, and and we Lefko says they're terrible with the with the refrigerator. I was say, yeah. Just everything about him is
4: really unappealing. Mike was snapping pictures (laughs) on his phone of the refrigerator one time. I
3: I had to show you because someone left open food in there. Not covered, just open random food. Like, hey, I'm done with my lunch. I'm going to leave the rest in here and maybe I'll get back to
6: it. He had to show you. He couldn't not show you. Of course. Yeah. You
4: Mm. know what happened to my story earlier?
2: (laughs) 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 I was watching Muggsy Bogues highlights. Did you figure out what college you went to? Wake Forest. I was right. You didn't say Wake Forest. I did. As you were typing it in, I go, I think it went to something like Wake Forest or a school like that. I didn't say it with any passion. I don't think anybody heard that, so. Well, it was off it's the air. It's <laughs> not so, You're right. Nobody heard it but you. Well, they always have the door open there. I don't think they you were to hear that, that. Wake I'm Forest? I'm paying attention to you. Because you said Kendall Gill, you went to Illinois, right? I said, yes, he did. And then you're like, Muggsy Bogues, you felt like an HBCU college. I was like, I think it's like Wake Forest or one of those schools. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll take your word for it. I wouldn't lie to you, Dave. I, I, know you I, would, I know you wouldn't. I would tell you. I have no clue. Uh, did we learn anything else? Uh, yeah, I guess we did. Uh, okay.
4: That's fine. Uh, I was going to do the dishwasher I, I'm one. I'm very excited about this.
3: Well, no. It's, it's good. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. We learned that uh, I had enough of a Kevin Durant answer. So Kevin Durant was on one called The Boardroom last night, and he was asked about the Sonics and asked if he wants to be a, a part of a franchise if it, if and when it ever comes back.
1: Without a doubt, that franchise, for one, is an iconic brand within the NBA. I feel like that market is a basketball market that needs the influence of the NBA team that so to continue to inspire that city and bring, and, and produce more and more basketball players. Because I believe that. I believe if the city has an NBA team, you'll get more and more kids inspired to win.
4: I just remember seeing him down on the field, Kevin Durant, and just remember how skinny he
2: was. But still is, yeah, still is. I don't know that he's gained a pound since that the day he stepped onto the Sonics home court. But fantastic player. One, well, uh, he's
3: sorry. Do you want to hear the rest of that? My phone fell and stopped it.
2: Is that what happened? Yeah, I thought what, that
3: was a weird edit.
4: Screwing around with your phone. Yeah, he's always screwing <laughs> around with his phone. Yeah, here's the rest of you. that answer. I didn't realize that he he dropped his phone on the on the button.
3: I know. I was surprised. I was like, "Oh, Dave just took it. Okay." And then I was like, "Hold on a second. Yeah. Let's play the rest of the left."
2: That. Co, have you ever lost your phone for an extended period of time? Uh, no,
3: you can't. So with this job, I have to contact people all the time. So that would be kind of tough. So what I do. About, have to have like it on a on weekend me. or
2: something. You're just like, "Where did I put it?" I just picture you in a frantic, just a panic. Because you are always on it. Our, our guy Adam Ray I'm making saw, moves, yeah. Saw you're making moves. Actually,
3: no, I know I, don't think I know what he was talking about. Him. I was <laughs> texting stocks.
2: you when he
3: thought I was on my phone. I was texting you the picture of him. Of Adam? Yeah. He, when he at, was at the thing.
2: They were at the Seattle Sports Star of the Year awards. Adam Ray was presenting an award and he saw Lefko there. And then he sent me uh he sent me a text saying Mike Lefko looks down at his phone when you're talking to him more than any of my Hollywood friends. Yeah. <laughs> he said, "I'm gonna start calling him Hollywood Mike." That's how important he is to me. <laughs> that's. I think that's <laughs> how he took it. I think he, he thought you had no interest in what he was saying. You had be- better things to do. So there you go. Who was it that forgot their phone? we were get, I was praising them. Was it you, Matt?
4: Somebody, you know, was like, "Oh, I, don't, I didn't have my phone for a long time." I'm like that's a good quality to have. Oh, I
2: don't. I don't think it was Beard any of attached.
4: Us. You're attached to your phone. We see some people walking around.
2: I'm waiting for that person newsroom. to face plant
4: yeah. I will laugh. That's how laugh. the dishwasher
3: broke. Actually, they crashed into it on their phone. <laughs> Probably. <laughs>
2: All right, everybody, that does it for us. Wanna thank our guest today, Chad Ryder, with some really good insight on the NFL draft at a three-round mock draft. Good stuff if you missed that. And of course, John Morosi, who is always radio gold. So if you missed any of that stuff, head to the podcast page at Seattlesports.com. Click the podcast tab. Click on our picture, and it's right there waiting for you, as it is each and every night after the show, and click subscribe. And you'll never have to hear any of this again. You can just completely tune me out like you do throughout the rest of the week. Have a great night, everybody. Wyman and Bob back tomorrow, Seattle Sports on 710.